0: Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos. Today is Holy Thursday in the traditions of both East and West. In this week's episode of the Bible as Literature podcast, Richard and I reflect on Father Paul Tarazzi's concept of a biblical storyline, elaborating on various examples of how the Bible functions as a single story and how this understanding illuminates our reading of the text. To all of our listeners, thank you for your continued support. We wish you a blessed Paschal meal. May the bread of the Gospel keep you and sustain you all the days of your life.
1: You're listening to
0: the Bible as literature.
2: Hi, this is Father Mark Boulos. And this is Dr. Richard Benton.
0: And you are listening to the 13th episode, the 13th episode of the Bible as Literature podcast. Today's program comes on the heels of an excellent interview, a wonderful interview with Father Paul Tarazzi, talking about his view of the Bible as literature and the importance of the storyline. He mm-hmm. talked a lot about this common thread of the storyline throughout the canon and the order of books and seeing how the story progresses. I and mean, we thought today would be a great opportunity to delve into
2: what Father Paul really meant by the word storyline. So mm-hmm. Richard,
0: you want to maybe talk a little bit about that and as you understood it from his presentation? All
2: right. For anyone who's interested in episode 12, you can contextualize exactly what Father Paul was saying. So in looking at the Bible in order. That's what he was talking about, was making sure that you read it in order. He talked about, well, if you read Isaiah, and then you read Jeremiah, and you read Ezekiel, if you want to read the Bible, you start with Genesis, and you read all the way through. And he kept mentioning this as an important point. And what I think is interesting about the idea of reading the Bible in order is that, first of all, it goes against the way that most people read the Bible. And secondly, it goes along with the way we read every other book. Every other book, you read chapter one, and then you read chapter two, and then you read chapter three. I mean, Moby Dick, you don't read chapter six because it's the most enjoyable chapter, and then read chapter 21 because it has some helpful hints for life. I mean, that's not how we read any other book.
0: Right. It was interesting, too. He mentioned that in other forms of literature and other genres, when you're writing a story and you have a complete unit, Mm -hmm. you might break that story up into volumes. But he was very specific when he said that it doesn't work that way in Scripture. Right. So there's something different happening. A progression the way you're describing it, but you don't go from one volume to the next volume. Instead, you have books that fit this storyline and this progression.
2: Right. We can see it in parts of the Bible. It's obvious. So, for example, if you read Genesis and then you read Exodus, you realize that when you're reading about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it would be confusing if you didn't know who Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were. I mean, the author of Exodus assumes you know the content of Genesis. And if you read Leviticus without reading, Exodus, it would be nonsense. You wouldn't understand where this is coming from. The authors were understanding it to be in one order. And the way that Father Paul talked about reading the Bible is reading it as a single book. Even though it's got different parts to it, obviously we have an Isaiah and we have a Jeremiah, it's significant if you read it the way that it is laid out in front of us in the book. You know
0: what I find so compelling about this thesis is that even folks who insist upon the notion that the Bible is a series of fragments or different pieces from different times or they, you know whether they deconstruct it with a particular agenda or just accept the Bible as this deconstructed collection of fragments. What's interesting is that when you look at how the Bible is read when it's actually applied as an authoritative text, even people who try to subscribe to this idea that it's fragments in different periods are stuck reading it as a totality. Right. And certainly not that the reading of one liturgy or another is particularly authoritative for us, but the uh-huh. fact of the matter is even the liturgy itself deals with... The scripture as a totality right so that lends some credibility to what Father Paul is saying that mm-hmm. historically when people have dealt with this text, it's been an operating assumption that you're reading a text from Genesis to Revelation.
2: I mean, this is normal, for example, when we read the New Testament. If there's a piece of text in Matthew that sounds just like a piece of text from the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible, we say that it's quoting from or citing that other source. Matthew isn't just saying it, he's assuming that you not only understand the Old Testament Testament, but that you assume that it's authoritative and you have the content. Otherwise, citing it would make no sense. We understand that you read in the Christian sense the Old Testament before you read the New Testament. That's how it's set up.
0: Right. So it's funny too when Father Paul was talking about the end of Acts, how it kind of leaves you sitting there. I remember thinking that years ago, reading Mm -hmm. Acts, thinking, wow, what did Paul say? And then you turn the page and there's Romans. I mean, there are these obvious hints that appear in different places that demonstrate the continuity of the storyline that he's talking
2: about. Right, and I think that this is something important to at least investigate for myself, the work that I've been doing on the book of the Twelve, it's been assuming a totality there that Joel comes after Hosea, and that Amos comes after Joel, and that the book, the scroll, ends with Malachi. It's assuming this. And if you assume this, then it starts to change a little bit the way that you read the book. So, for example, the first chapters of Hosea are an introduction, not just to the book of Hosea, but to the scroll of the book of the Twelve, in the same way that Genesis is an introduction to the Torah, or the first five books, or an introduction to Exodus. It explains how Exodus then happens. With Hosea and the first chapters there, immediately what it's doing is explaining why the sin was produced in Israel. It's because the earth, the land itself, was a harlot, and the children that it bore were children of harlotry. And this is why you get the bloodshed and you get the rebellion against God because from the very beginning, the land itself was a rebel. Yes. Then it becomes very interesting when you get to Joel. And Joel is talking about an attack against the land. It's locusts that are coming against the land and eating the crops. The people then get mentioned afterwards, but it's the land that gets attacked. If you just read Joel on its own, then it's just an attack. If you read it after the book of Hosea, it's clearly an attack against the land. So what happens when you read them consecutively is it brings out these nuances that you wouldn't get otherwise. Because as the following book builds on the previous book, you begin to see certain themes come out. And it's significant that the book of Zechariah comes almost at the end of the book of the Twelve. Because it's apocalyptic. It's not just apocalyptic because somebody thought it would be nice in the book of the Twelve. It's significant that it's coming at the very end when it's talking about the end of time, so to speak, that you get to finally in the book of Malachi. The book of the Twelve becomes a story of Israel when you read them consecutively as one book. So when Father Paul says, read the books consecutively, in the interview we did with Father Paul, he said don't just read the book of Ruth because you heard from your friend that it sounds nice.
0: Right, that's no different than people holding up verses at the ball game, saying John chapter 6, verse whatever. Right, right, exactly. It's not scripture. It's proof texting out mm-hmm. of context, which right. you might as well be talking baseball stats. It right. It doesn't matter. And
2: everyone talks about how you have to read a verse in context. I think when Father Paul was talking, he was pushing it one more step, which is the context is the entire Bible. It's not just the chapter or even the book that it appears in. But if you're going to take a chapter from Jeremiah, it's not enough to know the verses before and after or even the chapters before and after but you have to know the book before Isaiah and the book after Ezekiel that it is part of the whole story that the Bible is trying to tell one complete story
0: well and what's interesting about that thesis is that there are dominant themes Beyond the structure of the narrative arc of this epic plot of
2: mm-hmm, Scripture right.
0: from Genesis to Revelation, we spent some time in one of our episodes talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. Right. This idea that God is working against possession, power, wealth, Uh, The fact that this is consistently rearing its head, story after story after story, systematically, ultimately culminating in the execution of Jerusalem's king, I don't think it's coincidental.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's coincidental either. The text is deliberately trying to build on each item. And so when you start in Genesis with the creation of the world, there's already the establishment of a dry land on a planet and then populating that land. And then it's a discussion of the land. And then when you get to the major prophets, one of the reasons why people have not been reading the prophets in order, in my opinion, is they don't lend themselves to a clear storyline like you have in the first five books of the Bible. And by storyline, I mean a clear plot line that you can follow. In the first five books, it's clear. You have Genesis and Noah does this and Abraham does this, and Isaac does this, and Jacob does this. It's a nice story. And then in Exodus, they have a story because Moses and Aaron do this, and Pharaoh does that, and the people do this and that. And then what happens halfway through Exodus, it's laws and stuff, and then people lose the plot. It's
0: kind of like Father Paul's observation about the relationship between Romans and Acts in the canon. Uh It follows the storyline, but it's dealing with events and facts at a different level of detail. I think the prophets are dealing with the implications within the storyline and the narrative arc of our reaction to what was set out in the Pentateuch. So now we're actually seeing at a more detailed level what happens when you do listen or you don't listen to what Moses brought down from the mountain.
2: This is the kind of implications you get. If you assume that Hosea 1 and 2 are the introduction to the Book of the Twelve, then we realize the story... I mean, I just realized this recently. It's not the story of Israel. It's not the story of the people. It's the story of the land. And the people are the fruit, the children of the land.
0: Absolutely, which is what Paul is saying in his letters about grace. Have some humility. You who think you are something when you're nothing. Not only are you nothing, but you have no control over anything around you. You're a fruit of God's work in the garden, just like all the other creatures of Mm -hmm. the earth. So what's with the entitlement mentality?
2: Right, and when you read it in order, if you read Genesis, and work your way all the way through till you finally get to Hosea you realize how the land is an important theme throughout and you see it pop up. You see how the land is important in Genesis. You see how the land is important in Exodus as something outside. You get to Numbers and they finally enter into the land and it's all about ownership of the land. And then Deuteronomy says, here's what's gonna happen as we enter into the land. And then Joshua talks about entering the land and then Judges is what happens when they're in the land. If you read the Bible in order according to a single plot, You see how certain themes develop from Genesis all the way into the New Testament. You can't jump just from Genesis and then go into the New Testament. You have to
0: follow the storyline.
2: Exactly. You have to follow the storyline. And so I think this is what Father Paul was talking about and what he was trying to impress on us. And I think it's significant that he said, first of all, that we don't read the Bible, but that we listen to the Bible. Because when you listen, it controls you. When you read it, you control it. That's the first thing I thought was interesting. And secondly, read it in order. Start with Genesis and just work your way through. And this aspect of the Bible as a single story not a patchwork of a bunch of things stuck together, but a single story really affects the way that we read. So I think that going forward with further podcasts, I think we're going to have to be thinking about how the different texts fall in order and what the order of the books does to control our reading. Because here's the thing, if you read the book of Ruth and you think the book of Ruth is a nice book about a woman who inherits and goes out of her way to do something dangerous and, you know, this kind of thing. Right. Then it becomes detached from the rest of what the Bible is trying to teach about. And if you look at the order of where it falls in the Bible, then you see what the surrounding material does to affect the way that you read it. It's interesting. There's been movements in the past up to the present making this clean break between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Clearly clearly a mistake. Correct. Making sure that we read the Bible in order is an important part of reading the Bible correctly, in my opinion. So this
0: has been a great discussion. I think the discussion with Father Paul was very rich, and there's a lot of detail to tease out. And I'm hoping, as we go forward, not just being mindful of the canonical order of texts, whether you're following the Hebrew canon, as he said, of the Septuagint, But maybe spending more time delving into some of those other ideas. Thanks very much, Dr. All right. Thank you very much, Father. Take care.
1: I